0: Hi everybody out there, Jojo
1: Nation. As a contractor, every day is a fight for survival. Oh. What
0: the hell are we doing here, Harry?
1: Diojo is the do your own job dojo. Sweep the lick. Curated by John Isaacson. Contractor. Gaia your Home. Offer. There's nothing like it out there. And mediocre podcast host.
0: Nicely done on keeping it together. The,
1: the Dojo Podcast. Should be listening to you. Helping contractors shorten their dang learning curve. We are back, and before we dive further into the story we've been tracing in the last couple of episodes about a contractor who responded to a local storm. Uh, they say did the work that they were hired to do, but were not paid the amount that they believed was agreed to.
2: Where's the money, Lebowski?
1: We want to thank our sponsors who make the show possible. We've got the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, A.K.A. the IICRC. Most of you know about the training available through the IICRC and the standards, but you may not be aware there are several standards up for review currently that uh, go out for public review. You can review them and input on whether visit iicrc.org today. You think they best reflect the industry consensus. We also have David Princeton with Advocate Claim Service He has a monthly column in Cleaning and Restoration Magazine, CNR. The latest one, Dear David, My Temp Worker Got Hurt, Now What? If I want to take the anxiety out of my claim, who should I call? Advocate Claim Service. Advocate Claim Service. And the Restoration Industry Association. This year, April 24th through 26th in Orlando, Florida, is Restoration Beautiful the International Restoration Convention and Industry Expo. There really is truly a focus on making sure our restoration contractors are going to get something out of this. Yeah, This is an investment. This is forward thinking. This is you're taking the time out of your business to come spend time with this group. We want to make sure you're walking out the door with something. Thank you to our sponsors. Please let them know that you heard about them on the DOJO podcast
0: you're diving into a case that's RJ Construction versus Arlington Independent School District.
1: Yes, Michelle Blevins with CNR Magazine. Thank you for that wonderful segue into our topic.
0: An
3: Arlington construction company says it worked around the clock last February to clean up a flooded school. Months later, it says it has yet to be paid.
1: If you've been following this story in the last couple of episodes, or if you're just tuning in, you might be wondering, why are we diving into this story about a contractor in Texas? Well, it is simply because there are a lot of lessons to be learned that can help with daily claims responding to regional disasters or those who are considering maybe going on the road to chase large disasters. If you watch RJC's site, man, the school district insurance companies, all the things that you want to hear, you're like, Ugh. I'm angry. And then you read the school. Uh, AISD school uh-huh. fact sheet, you're like, Ugh. Not good. The voice you will be hearing throughout the majority of this episode is that of our restorer friend, Bebo Crane out of Jonesboro, Arkansas, proceedings that we could find online. And much of this particular episode is digging into some of the research and the court proceedings that we could find online. So there are stories. I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on RJC or really the the school district, but man, I... That Reading this, there's like, yeah, I've made that mistake. I've made that mistake. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe you set the stage. So February 11th, 2021, so fairly recent, winter storm Yuri uh, hits a uh, town <clears throat> in Arlington, Texas.
2: Well, as you know, last year at this time, Texas was hit with a massive winter storm. Temperatures dropped below freezing for days. Millions lost power and water and hundreds died.
1: The particular school we're looking at is Sam Houston High School, which everyone's familiar with, right? You've been there many times. I've never been there,
4: but I have heard of Sam Houston High School. They're pretty popular, I guess, in the South, football and stuff
1: like that. Well, 450,000 square feet, so it's a good sized school. I think they arrived, if I remember correctly, February 21st, 2021. According to RJC, uh, this employee, Horn, I believe he was the superintendent of facilities or maintenance. I can't recall. Accepted this estimate and to secure RJ Construction's emergency services, Horn ordered a subordinate, Darren Richardson, ASD employee, to prepare an an emergency AISD purchase order for RJ Construction. Again, this is from RJ's side. Horn also stated that he appreciated RJ Construction and its ability to provide the necessary services because none of AISD's approved contractors had been able to respond to AISD's needs at Sam Houston High. It's hard to dry
3: and dehumidify about 450,000 square feet within Sam Houston High School for a price of $2.50 per square foot plus some expenses. The total price for this emergency services rendered was $1,245,600. That's a
2: lot of money. I believe the AISD and its board could be trusted. So my company wanted into action. Over the
3: course of days, near round-the-clock work, Sam Houston High was dried in and dehumidified. We did
1: the job. We were hired to do also personally guaranteed that RJ Construction would be pa- paid for RJ Construction's emergency services, stating, I'm a man of my word and will get you paid ASAP. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> RJ Construction was also informed of ASD's insurance claim and coverage so that there would be no concern about the availability of money to pay for RJ Construction services. <laughs> what are you, stupid? So obviously, in RJC's telling, we showed up with the knights in shining armor. We were the only ones available to do the job. I can definitely resonate with the sentiments from Robert Jordan. We did the job. We were hired to do. But, as in most disputes, there's two sides to the story. This is one where, from AISD, a claim by RJ Construction was that they were the only company available to help they did the work quickly, and then the district didn't pay them.
3: I believe the AISD and its board could be trusted, so my company's wanted to action. Now
1: the AISD is saying, screw you. We don't owe you a penny because we are the government. According to AISD, more than 20 Arlington ISD facilities suffered damage caused by Winter Storm Uri. RJ Construction reached out to the district to offer its services. <laughs> so it wasn't them calling, hey, we got a problem. It's RJ calling them. Five vendors were hired to help dry out flooded schools and performed other necessary services to get students and staff back in their buildings. All other vendors had their invoices reviewed and approved by the adjuster and have been paid in full, including the other vendors who worked at Sam Houston High. So they weren't not only, according to ISD, were they not the only contractor, they weren't the only contractor working at that particular school. Yeah.
3: If you know me, you know, uh, I'm not someone that looks for opportunities to air grievance.
1: I would never make a video
4: like that (laughs) if I was in a situation where I was gonna go to court. Yeah. Or anything like that. That's a no-no, I think, to put that out there. Without knowing the differences in the services and the circumstances surrounding the other contractors that got paid and the one that didn't the differences there too with the communication with the board or whatever, why why they chose not to pay our construction. So here here
1: here's where it gets. So February twenty-fourth, two thousand twenty-one. A bill and an estimate was given to the AISD. It's a
3: dragon, right? It's a big dragon that we had to slay. And uh, I was pretty proud of the work we did there.
0: The construction company says it reached an agreement on a price rate. And after 11 days, it says the total bill came out to $1,245,600. In
1: return, Jordan, uh, which Robert Jordan is the RJ in RJ Construction, and his team... Receive keys to the high school, and begin working to get the school reopened. So it sounds like they meet the 21st. He provides um, an estimate, and it basically says um, services, emergency mitigation services, so as a typical like QuickBooks type, balance due $100,000. So uh, you, got, uh, you got my money? There's no details on what this is for. He says, I'm going to need a master key so we can start to identify the affected areas need to be demolished per BMS or for BMS CAT. We found last night several areas where the track pictures were showing lots of moisture. What a maze we truly got lost yesterday. So Wait, the so contract said, What a maze we got lost. Was that the contract? I'm, I'm sorry, that's in the email. So there's not like a whole lot of details there. So this is 100,000. Also, I've included an emergency invoice to get us going. I am going to need to you all added an additional insured and a ten ninety nine. If you can print me, if you can point me in that direction. So, and then it just says emergency mitigation service one hundred thousand. Yeah.
0: Well, um, here's a suggestion. Um, have the money by tomorrow, and there won't be any problems.
1: I I, I still don't have a clarity. They keep referring to drying the air, so I'm not sure if RJ did anything. I like noticed
4: that. when you mentioned that while ago, that's just an odd thing for somebody non restoration company. Kind of, ASD's not saying that. that was the board that said that,
1: right? Um, I think that originally came from
4: okay. Well, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, we do dryer, we provide dryer to dry buildings, I guess, but it's just an odd. It was odd when you read it well go, why they chose those, those words, because they, they dried more than air, honestly, it looked like.
0: An AISD spokesperson wrote, as fiduciaries of the public's money, Arlington ISD must examine submitted documentation and confirm the value of services being performed. It's asked for documentation that RJ says doesn't exist.
1: So then Horn emails Jordan asking for a proposal says, Robert, I appreciate the invoice. However, 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 we must ask that you provide a proposal that breaks out the services and rates so that we can issue an emergency purchase order for you to reference on the invoice. We need this before we can process an invoice. <laughs> what is a large loss? And perhaps one way to look at that is when the bill is big enough to take you under that qualifies perhaps for your company as a large loss. We're going to take a minute to talk to Jim Thompson. He recently put his thoughts and experiences onto paper with his book, My Life is One Disaster After Another.
0: Opportunity is that fleeting moment between everyone saying it can't be done and everyone doing it.
1: Because I started with a Sears wet vac and a trijet
0: fogger, for gosh sakes. $35 for my answering service was a a burden you know
1: <laughs> okay so so can we pause there for a minute because that that question gets all asked all the time what equipment is essential for me to start my business and you know on the social media is it's you know you need this laundry list of things shot back in the
0: spray bottle I'll tell you what okay let's take a look at this what is a large loss I had a Walmart in Tumancar New Mexico had a trash dumpster fire contractor all we did is what we call is odor control barrier fly in there by charter plane spray an odor control barrier on the dumpster inside fog receiving with a thermofogger fogger gets signed off we're out of there put on a certificate of satisfaction you have to have the, the dumpster brought away you have to have the uh paint scrubbed off and cleaned and put a kilts on there or something like that that's all that's all it is our bill including charter airfare was under seventeen thousand dollars okay now in our business would anybody tell me seventeen thousand is a large loss probably not you have a problem with that. That was a large loss to that 50 people out of work that yeah. day. That store manager that couldn't open up because the health department at 0700 in the morning. Okay, that was a large loss. The next loss, I cleared $1.1 $1. 1 million net, net, net. Now, had I not done that $20,000 that night, which I damn near paid not to have to go, providing so what thousands. is a large loss. Yeah. You know, with my buddies at Sunbelt and with Gary McKenzie and other guys out there now, you can call them up and get 50,000 CFM of Deskins put on there, Got it operating tonight. So you and I can knock out a loss. It's a million bucks. The so two of us and some, some associates from the store, from the plant, we yeah. can knock it out with the rental equipment available now. So yeah. all you need to do is know how to frick do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And get the call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How to get the call. Yeah. I get the call it the out book. there, right? Read so- the book to figure out how to get the call.
0: <laughs> <There
1: you go>. <laughs> <laughs> So the book course, is my... easy if you've done it for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> my life is one disaster after another. That's the official title of the book, right?
0: It deals with large loss politics oh. because you can lose your company on a large loss. Yeah. You can lose your company, a house loss, John, you normally don't lose your company. If you lose $25,000. It doesn't put us out of business Normally, It might hurt, but it doesn't put us out. You do a three or $400,000 loss mm. and then you, sacrifice your credit line, you borrow money from your friends and family, you hawk your truck, you hawk your truck, anything to get that loss done. Then you don't do it right. I mean, politically, you don't do it right. Not maybe technically, politically. And the adjuster plays that, let's make a deal 90 days later. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a risky business, but you can you know, you can protect that risk too by doing it right.
1: I don't know about you, Bebo, but I, I've done jobs like that where you arrive, it's a big client, well-known in the community, you know, like a school district. The team's jazzed to be doing something that's helping you really feel is a good cause. We're working to get kids back into school, right? There's, there's nothing cooler than that. That's everybody's like, you know, I'm not excited to be working overtime or overnight or 24 hours or whatever, but because we're doing something good for our community people feel a lot better about that during that texas event there was heavy emotion in the air and you add
4: that then we don't experience stuff like that in south we got hit really hard in arkansas and it was i'm telling you like in a situation like that i mean if we could help out we're gonna do it right yeah yeah um but it just goes to show and i i've dealt with larger entities like hoa's apartment complexes that that have management shields in front of them and things like that. And when you deal with an entity or any property that you're going to go on, I think that it's very important to understand who has control of that property, who has control of that property, who has control of that property. Yeah. Whether it's the owner or, or better, better yet, who doesn't have control of that (laughs) property or the, or the money that's allocated for that property or an account attached to that property. Um, it's important to know that and we don't have the right to even really get into that without messing with the boards and things like that. No, they could they could withhold that information from us and make it seem like a property management company or um, a superintendent, whatever, has the authority to appropriate one point four million dollars without even knowing it's going to be one point four million in the, in the beginning.
1: Uh, you know that there's a lot of red tape and I's the dot and T's the cross. So you're taking people's word for it. So I can sympathize, right? You're like, these people are yeah. telling me, go, go, go. Okay. Hey, I'm bringing people from out of town. I'm calling this vendor, calling this vendor. We're good. We're good. Yes, we're good. He's proposing lump sum. They need some form of a breakdown. Um, Jordan then responded by emailing the proposal as an attached in the email saying, is this acceptable? It, be, it talks about description of work, set up a lay fat, desiccants, generation, rigid duct, air movers, daily monitoring, all labor and materials, 250 a square foot, 450,000 square feet equals 1,125,000. It says these prices are based on no more than one mobilization and on the plans mentioned above per available on site, additional mobilization if required, 100,000 per mobilization we propose to furnish labor and materials, I think complete in accordance with the above specifications and conditions for the sum of 1245600 And then it says 250000 deposit required, net 30 days of completion, 5% discount if paid. And then he resubmits the $100,000. So a few days later, RJ Construction followed up via email stating in part that it had not yet received funding or paperwork sends a follow-up email ken horn says robert as Corey stated the district is very appreciative that we could employ rj construction on an emergency basis to help the district dry the air in sam houston high school however since rj construction was not on our district approved bid list Uh or any of our established cooperatives it is necessary to obtain approval of the board of trustees as such, the district will be taking a ratification agenda item to the board of trustees for approval on March 11th, 2021. At this point in time, district administration must verify that the services rendered match the proposed scope of service following approval by the board of trustees. The district will schedule full payment on March 11th, 2021. They don't actually ever agree to the terms or the pricing. And then... Um, and then even further pull out, well, now this has to go before the board because you're not on our <laughs> list and it's it's over 50K. So yeah. just asking somebody, do you have the authority to sign my contract? And if they say, yeah, sure. Okay. Do you have the authority to initial or initiate payment? You can sign my work off, but you're, are you going to pay? Are you the one that's going to pay? Well...
2: Where's the money, Lebowski?
1: (laughs) You know, (laughs) uh, um, and and I think those are two really important questions. Excited to announce that our best-selling book, How to Suck Less at Estimating... Habits for Better Project Outcomes by John Isaacson, the Intentional Restorer is now available. This is a full color, it's got diagrams. This book is also a course available online through our friends at Restoration Technical Institute, rtilearning.com. This course has six modules, which reflect the six chapters in this book. If you sign up for the course, you get a free PDF copy. That is designed to correspond with the course. How to suck less at estimating. This book is available on Amazon. It's true.
4: I think it's very important for a contract, contractor to have a contract and not just a contract, one that is clear with its terms, one that can be understood. Like you got to be able to take your contract and you got to be able to sit it down in front of three or four people when after the fact that all this stuff's happened right whether after you've done the considerations of the work for the money owed and you've got to sit there and you've got to be able to explain it what happened you got to demonstrate what happened and you've got to it's got to be agreed upon like i agreed to do this for this you know it's the yeah. simpler the better or the more understood the better
1: i was digging in pretty hard in the prep on the, the importance of contracts And um, you said (laughs) uh, subpar contractors with subpar contracts get paid all the time for subpar work. We're traveling back in time to a conversation we had with Ed Cross, the restoration lawyer. It's not like you have this beautiful contract and that's the end of the story, right? How do you see the role of the contract?
2: Well, it's incredibly important. It's part of the the puzzle along with the AOB and the good quality workmanship. You know, when we're talking about liability questions, um, I think the most important part is to just maintain a relationship of trust and open communication with the customer. I said, what's going on? Something's going on. We've got to figure out what's going on. Contracts are really often overlooked by this industry unfortunately and some states have taken a pretty aggressive role toward this like for example california says you know you really got to spell out everything and get it all in writing before you begin any work and that helps to achieve a meeting of the minds when you go to court to sue On a contract, typically you don't have to literally prove that there was a meeting of the minds. You've got a written contract and that will generally supersede any oral conversations that took place before it. But it's a good business practice to have a meeting of the minds because we don't want our customers uh, to be surprised. We don't want to give uh, people sticker shock. And so in a perfect scenario, We would explain to the customer the basics of what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, and what it's going to cost, and then go over some of the key legal points like an assignment of benefits, mechanics, lien rights, those sorts of things, so that when the contract is presented to the customer, they're seeing something that's already familiar to them. Yeah, yeah, he told me this, he told me that, and then they sign it. The
4: simpler, the better, or the more understood, the better. We might have a lawyer write up our contract. (laughs) But we're actually the author of the contract if we use that contract in the field. We become the author by law and we have, if there's any ambiguity within the contract, it automatically goes to the non-author of the contract for benefit of doubt. They can choose how they want to apply that terminology to their circumstances. It's just, it's hard for mitigation contractors. It's, It's almost impossible for mitigation contractors to, in real time, sign contracts as they're incurring emergency services. Yeah. And I understand that, but we have to, in order for, you can sign these contracts that people are doing, are real popular, the time and material contracts or the rate contracts. And they're okay in certain situations that you can manage, but in a situation that's definitely not able, you're able to manage, uh, you need to write a contract for a certain amount of services for a certain dollar amount and then change order it as it goes. Yeah. Keep change ordering it. If it goes a hundred times and change orders throughout the process, both parties will appreciate it. I promise. That's, uh, we do a lot of self-pay mold claims and things like that. And there's too much uncertainty when we enter the project to fill out a full contract. But we know when we get on the job what we're going to do that first day. Write that contract that first day, what you're going to do. And yep. then, then that contract's incurred due. May not be late in payment. They may not have to pay yet, but you can incur it, make it due. And therefore, the insurance companies already liable. They can already process that part of the contract. If they, if the, for commercial, they usually like working, the commercial boards usually like getting incurred services and paying it and then getting it reimbursed. It's easier with yeah. commercial properties that way. Yeah. Especially ones that have millions of dollars in their account already.
1: This is what ASD claims. There was no mutuality of obligation. And in the court proceedings, they're saying, RJ is saying you owe this for our services, but there was no mutual, mutuality of obligation in that the school district never said, if you don't do this, X will happen, you know, which I think we're all very familiar with, uh, you know, especially on the repair side. If you don't meet this deadline, then it's a hundred dollars a day or thousand dollars a day or whatever. Um, you don't, Always see that as much in um, the mitigation services. When I took the test for being a contractor in
4: Arkansas, uh, there was they were they there's you don't have to know where to what a hammer looks like. You don't have to know what a nail looks like or what spacing studs have to be on in the wall. There's no requirement for construction experience to become a general contractor in Arkansas. The only thing that they require is that you're financially stable, you have the capital to back up what contracts you're doing, and that you understand what how to handle your employees by by the, you know, by the book, and uh, also what a contract is. Huh. And the main thing within a contract, it's very simple, is um, contracts have to have like the mutuality. That's a different language than I've heard, but we call it considerations for both parties. It's um, Both parties have to consider something like these services in return for something else, like a yeah. true quid pro quo, I guess is what you would say. Um, you got to do something for me and I'll do something for you. That's two considerations right. by both parties. And they have to be very clear. We have to limit the ambiguity and leave nothing up for interpretation. And, uh, you know, as far as like, like with contracts, when we enter a project, I think that it's important to have, just like we do hazard management and mitigation, we send a risk management or a hazard manager in there to write a risk report or a hazard report and he determines all the possible hazards and he lists the controls that will keep those from happening. And then you develop an imp- implementation plan to implement that. It's the same way with entering a project, but looking at it as a whole, not necessarily environmental hazards or trip fall slip hazards, but what pro- What are the hazards of not getting paid? What are the hazards of them filing immunity or the risks of that happening? What, what are the risks of if there is a change order in the contract, what happens, you know, do you have a process and a control for each one of those? You've got to adapt your uh, situation, you know, your for each project has different amounts of risks and the protections depend on the amount of risk. I recommend getting a lawyer that is would work with you, sit down with you maybe like this and you could write out your things that you have done wrong <laughs> and those are your risks. And yeah basically list those out and as they come you know that contract can be an evolving contract as you obtain more situations that you feel you might be entering risk and learn how to hedge that risk with your contract and your disclosures that you make develop a name by the way we work with our clients if we sit there and we talk to them and we pretty much make sure that we're, we're talking to them every day on small jobs you know we're talking to them every day back and forth and keeping that connection and keeping those expectations and reminding them of this in the contract and things like that and if it's on paper it's really easy and that's basically the name of the game if you want to get paid insurance is take care of the clients have a good contract and if the client's happy you know and you can prove what you did then you're going to get paid Yeah, and basically how simple it is um, if the contract and the terms with the, the retail trans- transaction of mitigation is successful insurance will pay yeah, you know what I mean. They will pay that it, because it, you know because that pretty much proves it's necessary and it was done. Having guys incurring a hundred thousand dollars a day in work, yeah, and not recording it, not documenting it, and because uh, a lot of contracts that we do will be as incurred, like we we will have a mitigation scope of work for or rebuild scope of work, and it will have a lot of things assumed in the bill right we and when they're not incurred they're not due they're not owed so like those assumptions are already in the contract built in the contract and if they go over we had to change over if they go under we had to change over to credit it but it's there and it's it's the expectations that you have with the client are clear
1: as clear as possible right yeah right harry i
3: took care of it
1: Either there's a disconnect where they're saying, "Oh yeah, you've got insurance company coverage. We know the drill. We got you. You know, we're going to take care of this," but don't actually know the insurance process. Or uh, I know some guys, um, some companies like to. No, I got a lump sum contract. I don't know for any of that. That's that wasn't part of the agreement. Documentation was not part of the agreement. Right. Um, Exactly. And and legally, you could probably get by with that, but
4: I mean. I don't know. I mean, you're still going to have to prove something, you know, at the end of the day.
1: Um, this is the AISD fact sheet. Our claim, RJ Construction submitted all of the necessary invoices to be paid, but the district has re- refused to do so.
3: Now the AISD is saying, screw you. We don't owe you a penny because we are the
1: government. Fact, according to AISD, repeated requests for proper, and they underline proper documentation of the work performed have been submitted to RJ Construction by Arlington's ISD insurance carrier and attorney. RJ Construction has not provided the appropriate documentation.
0: It's asked for documentation that RJ says doesn't exist.
1: All other contractors working on winter storm repairs went through and satisfied the same documentation and verification process as RJ Construction. If RJ Construction were to provide additional documentation, it would be reviewed by the insurance adjuster to see if adjustments to the payment are appropriate. Have the money by tomorrow and there won't be any problems. AISD's insurance company sent RJ a two-page letter with a list of documents necessary for the adjuster to consider the claim being made by RJ Construction. The documentation request, June 2nd, 2021, insurers requested that RJ Construction provide the same information. Robinson previously asked for construction to provide. So detailed drying logs, they break out like You know, what that means, date and time, person performing, moisture level, dry standard, drying goals, equipment usage, including, you know, types of equipment, specific locations, hours, if available, calculations, generator, hour readings, record showing all labor, record showing materials. In order to
3: know if you are actually drying, you need to know what your environmental conditions are. You need to know what your moisture concentration levels are. These are things that we monitor
1: daily. 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 Anytime we're going to a school, uh, at least in Oregon, a lot of them are self-insured up to a certain point. Um, but all the ones we work with, you know that there's a higher likelihood, especially with it being prevailing wage, um, that it's going to meet a threshold where there's going to be some level of review, either internally by risk management and their own insurance people, or it's going to go to a third-party um, consultant that's going to, you know, just comb through everything. Have you gone through that process of working with a TPC after you've dried like a large structure? And oh man, it's like, you know, you've got your three-ring binder of documents, you know, from all your dry logs and every day and every guy that's checked in. You almost always have somebody at least one somebody that their whole job is documentation, you know, for for any project of, of scale. Right. Especially something that's one point two million. You know. The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I guess on the one side, you could say it's a game. I could see RJ say, say RJ saying, you know, we had a lump sum agreement that was never stipulated. I think they've got them in the sense that they said, no, actually we did ask for to some degree that pretty early on. And it's industry standard that uh, there's some level of, if you're drying, what are you drying and how are you tracking that it's it's being um, effective? There should be some level of that would be um, standard.
4: Yeah.
1: So You were
4: mentioning earlier, you brought the point about they were a roofing construction company and they may not have been familiar with the mitigation world, may not have been to ICRC classes, may not have taken ASD.
3: We've been doing fire and water restoration since 2000.
4: There's a lot of companies like that around here too that are roofing companies and nothing wrong with that. Um, but it's just the, the lack, they, they enter contracts differently. They wanted a lump some, I honestly agree with the fact they wanted a lump some contract. That's, sure. sem- that's basically what I was saying is do the lump sum contract but you just either make additional contracts on top of it or additional lump sum change orders on top of it but like that may have something to do with why they didn't document the other mitigation get companies got paid and they did they were just in there doing the work and uh weren't used to having to do that with insurance companies all right you know what i mean because those are standard things like if i know i'm on a mitigation and i don't have pictures i mean i'm freaking out that i got to get this in you know documented or I've got to an answer to it and look dumb when I get questioned about it. Well,
3: what happened during snowpocalypse is, is all these roofers decided they wanted to be a water restoration expert.
1: This is a, a segment from the Built Better podcast uh, that we found of Robert Jordan being on that podcast. And it's just a short snip. How ironic is this? A roofing contractor that got into water damage is chastising other roofing contractors for getting into water damage.
3: Because they were roofers, they thought they could do it. You know, we're roofers, we believe we can do anything. And so it was interesting to watch their wheels turn. And I think what you're going to find is, I think you're going to find contractors venturing more into that... Water restoration space than they ever have before because they got a real taste for it back in February, and March, and we've we've been doing fire and water restoration since 2009.
1: And I think the thing that's scary. Uh, that should cause every contractor to take pauses you're thinking man that would never happen to me my stuff's dialed in uh we're going fine we do things by the book and that's exactly what he's presenting himself as to the community and the other videos we've
3: been doing fire and water restoration since 2000 great story compelling and rich
1: thank you for tuning into the The dojo podcast we hope you were informed and entertained
3: are you not entertained
1: if you'd like to support us, you can go to the D-Y-O-J-O.com forward slash podcast. You can buy John a beer, you can support the show, or you can buy one of the books I've written. The last one being How to Suck Less at Estimating. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? That? And you can find them on Amazon.
4: Well, after reading this case, <laughs> I would do a lot more than I would two <laughs> weeks ago,
1: right? Yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, so I've learned something here, you know, even even I'm telling you we got a good contract, you know, like I'm for saying all this stuff we need to do, and then they've got immunity. That throws in like you can do all the right things and they could use immunity against you, but I think that if they're happy with the services and things like that, I think that those kind of things don't happen. They just don't.
1: It seems where this case is at, the conclusion being that after both parties presented their case the court uh, kicked it back into arbitration so in a lot of ways back to square one um, where somehow they have to figure out how to split the baby um, so that uh, there can be some kind of an agreeable solution but RJ Construction has filed for bankruptcy There's actually quite a few stories of um, people that were on their side during this ordeal saying pay RJC with signs in their front yards, now saying we've paid deposits on projects that are never going to happen, and so the school district has said while this bankruptcy is in force, there's no reason really to negotiate, so it seems the case is, is flatlined for now.
4: You know, as a contract, when we're held accountable for our actions, they're going to be looked at, What we can prove at that time, not necessarily what we actually did. The yeah. simpler, the better, or the more understood, the better.
1: Our thanks again to Bebo Crane for joining us for this discussion and diving into the pieces that we could find about this case online. What are some of your closing thoughts, Bebo?
4: So and in this situation, I, have, I can't look at it as the contractor did a very good job. There's things that I think he should have done that could have limited, limited, limited his risk. And that's basically the name of the game. If you want to get paid, insurance is take care of the clients, have a good contract. And if the client's happy and you can prove what you did, then you're going to get paid. It's basically how simple it is.
1: What the industry needs is conversations like the Thursdays are for the Ojo podcast. What are you, stupid? My, my, mindset change, helping contractors shorten their dang learning curve.
2: Once you get to the point where you're not willing to listen or not willing to learn, we pound sand. Podcast.
4: This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
1: And I uh, maybe check you, you said uh, the insurance companies have as much interest in uh, protecting the consumer as uh, McDonald's does in cows. I believe it's been documented that McDonald's uses fraction of actual beef. So maybe McDonald's actually has a Better interest in protecting cows and insurance companies and
2: clients. Only here on the Dojo podcast, folks. Only here.